As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. Welcome, welcome, welcome to Soundcheck. This is where you'll meet Oklahomans in the music industry. We'll talk with songwriters, storytellers, as well as visit some of the most popular and hidden music venues in the Sooner State. The stories behind the chorus. Welcome to Soundcheck, where we feature all things music. Today we are featuring a young man, I'm calling you young, because you're 23 years young, who's already made his way to national television when he was a contestant on American Idol. Trevor McBain is not only a talented musician, but also a goat farmer from a small town in Oklahoma called Savannah, which we'll talk about. So we're actually joined by Trevor today, um, and you are our first guest here on Soundcheck. Thanks for being here. Thank you for having me. It's going to be fun. (laughs) Okay, so you're from Savannah. We were talking earlier. How long was your drive up here? Uh, about two and a half hours, give or take. That's that's quite a while from you know a big city. So tell us a little bit about what you do in Savannah as a goat farmer. What is that life like? Um, early mornings, late nights, pretty chaotic a little bit. Um, it's it's definitely switching gears from being full time musician and then full time farmer. They're completely black and white, different worlds and stuff. So so yeah, it's I don't know. I'm I'm never somebody that likes to do the same thing over and over and over so it's really cool to live kind of two worlds yeah so how many goats do you have oh my gosh like right now it's 60 ish yeah 60 goats yeah and they're like i'm going through my second time of this second time of the year that they're just gonna have babies and stuff right now so i'm having babies born right now and trying to be on the road a lot so that's fun (laughs) so do you have people helping you out yeah i have have family and stuff that cover when i'm gone or at least attempt to cover everything so is this is this kind of what is your livelihood? What is your job? What pays the bills? Uh-huh. A lot of different things. I think anybody in the music industry has to be ridiculously diverse in what they're doing, not have all their eggs in one basket, so to speak. And um, so I have the farm. I do random labor stuff all the time. I kind of just do whatever I have to. And then obviously, um, full-time musician. If I was to say I I was a specific thing, I would say that I was full-time musician. That's what takes up the majority of my time. Yeah, and that's relatively new. Um, So you got into music about how many years ago would you say so oddly enough i did not start even singing until um, my junior year of high school and i graduated high school in 2014 so um so you make the, me feel old <laughs> <laughs> so the summer of um the summer of my junior year after my junior year of high school is when i started singing and it just kind of skyrocketed ever since that i started out doing like national anthems and singing at church and then it um, my senior year i got to close our 
um, state convention through FFA here in Oklahoma City, and there was 30,000 people, and it was wow. insane chaos. And um, anyway, joined a band in college, and um, we tore, we got the chance to cut an, uh, a CD and tour, and then um, I started going to college at the ACM here in Oklahoma City, mm -hmm. and um, while I was attending there, I auditioned for American Idol. Yeah, uh, so do you want to talk a little bit about, I believe you auditioned in Tulsa. I did. Right? Okay, so you auditioned in <coughs> Tulsa, and um, I know that there's a whole vetting process when it comes to American Idol. Oh, and, yeah. I mean, there's a lot that happens before you even get to be in front of the judges. Oh, yeah. So uh, what was that moment like, though, once you kind of crossed over and then were able to audition in front of, you know, Lionel Richie? And <laughs> yeah, so, um, so I did two rounds in Tulsa in the same day, got there at like five in the morning and didn't I didn't leave till that evening sometime I don't even remember because I was like autopilot um, and I got a call back like the next day and they asked me to go to Chicago so I went to Chicago and performed for the executive producers of the show and um, and then I got approved there, and then they sent me to New Orleans, and New Orleans is where they did the televised auditions and everything. And uh, behind the scenes is chaos. I got there, I was the first person in line that morning, and it was like 4.30 in the morning, and I did not eat the entire day. And then it was like oh, 2.30 or so in the afternoon, and I was about to go in to do the audition for the celebrity judges and I was all hyped up, ready to go and I was like, it was fixing to be awesome. I was gonna kill it, I was on adrenaline, it was awesome. And they're like, all right, we're gonna cut right now for lunch so we'll be back in a few hours. And so I was like, no. Aww. So I was right on the edge of, of jumping in there and doing it. Did you get to eat? I no, mean, no, I still did not get to eat. Steven, <laughs> this is like, at this point, this is like 10 hours of just waiting legit, with no food. Legit. Nerves are going, I'm sure your adrenaline is rushing. Oh, it's nuts. And it's like it was constantly, you know, because in the meantime, we're doing like B-roll clips and we're doing interviews and you're, I mean, you're not like some, you're either sitting and doing nothing or you're go, go, go. Mm -hmm. And um, anyway, so I think it was close to seven that evening before I actually auditioned. And when I did, so I'll paint the picture for you. We are in a, um, we're in the warehouse where they store all the Mardi Gras floats in New Orleans. So it is this ginormous building with all these creepy floats and stuff everywhere and they have they have like big fans and, and machinery like going loud in there so the acoustics are god awful oh no and we are smack dab in like a little like pop-up studio kind of thingy mm -hmm. for for the tv shoot and so we get up there i can barely hear them even talking to me so i'm like i'm, I'm kind of hard to hear in to begin with so that was really hard and so um my very first song i uh, the, the first song that I sang um, had a piano accompaniment with it. And the dude was like legit a hundred feet away. I could barely hear him. And so I'm like pitchy and off time. And, and of course this is what they choose to put on on television also. And this is what was in front of Katy Perry? Oh yeah. And, okay. Oh yeah. So they did the little questionnaire of like who I was and everything and Goofy Farmer from Oklahoma and they passed that. They passed that up and then I sang and I was like, oh, I was so disappointed in myself because I was like, I couldn't hear and it just was like really rough and I was like well great we drove and spent all this money here and everything for nothing and then um, I sang a second song Parachute by Chris Stapleton okay and uh, I sang it a cappella, and it was was like 
nine out of ten performance, and they just were like on their feet, screaming, freaking out, and stuff. And of course, that didn't get televised. That <laughs> yeah, was the first one that you did. Yeah. You would think that they would, you know, have it down packed on like how to create a, an acoustic room. Yeah, you would. You, I would. I will definitely say that. It is 95% TV and 5% everything else. Yeah. So, yeah. so a lot of that stuff I don't think is pu- is put into thought. Well, but you made it. Obviously, but I did. I did make it. I got three yeses from them and a lot of praise. They and, were very nice. Yeah, they were Lionel Richie. What did he say? He had a he has a line and uh, whenever you auditioned and it was, you didn't sound perfect, but you sounded. Yeah, it's, it? he said, um, who did he compare me to? Kenny Rogers. Yeah. And he said it's not about the right note. It's about the real note. He was. Having Having a, he said he, he was behind backstage one night after Kenny had performed, and he's like, dude, you were flat, blah, 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 and talking about, like, what, like who are you? What's the deal, man? He's like, and then he said, he said that to him. He said that to Lionel. He said, it's not about the... Not about the right note always, it's about the real note. You know, I want to, I would rather be convinced by what you're saying or what you're singing than it be like a drone that's perfect kind of thing. And I agree with that. I know for a fact I am not perfect all the time. (laughs) But you do have a, you have a really cool voice and I know that the the judges talked uh, about that kind of that, um, kind of the gruff sound yeah. in your voice. Uh, and I, I was reading that you've been inspired by anyone from Garth Brooks to Stevie Wonder, Frank, Frank Sinatra, Ben yeah. Skill, Etta James, Patsy yeah. Cline. Yeah. Um, so it's pretty eclectic there, but you've got some 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 old souls in, uh, in your inspiration. So Absolutely. tell us a little bit about uh, how you kind of fit your sound in with the people that have inspired you. I think, I think it comes down to like fishing through a world of what is authentic and genuine and what is not. If I'm going to sit and listen to somebody that I truly kind of, I can resonate with and I can believe what they're talking about in their songs, then um, then that's kind of who I lean toward. Mm-hmm. Even in today's modern music and stuff, it's like a lot of people don't like, um, I don't know, like Taylor Swift, but I feel like she writes her music and I feel like, I don't know, I believe what she's saying. I believe it's her experience and I, I, I dig that. Yeah, Authenticity. Authenticity. You need that genuine. Even if it's dumb and cheesy. If it's authentic for your life and stuff, I'm usually about it. There's plenty of other music out there right now that is just like, I don't believe a thing you're saying. Mm-hmm. Like what? <sighs> Gosh, I don't want to <laughs> <laughs> call out anybody, but um, I don't know. I feel like the singer Sean Mendez, some of his stuff is very much like, I want to make like, a hit. You didn't write any of this, <laughs> but uh, he's ridiculously talented. And I think the stuff that you can truly see that he's connecting with it, like with his heart and stuff is just incredible. And the kids, you know, filling up stadiums and stuff and he's younger than I am. So all the power to him, yeah. but well, he's got the looks too to go behind it. Oh, yeah. so all the, all the young girls love that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and you actually just released a single tomorrow. I uh, did. Not just, I should say that was, that was in March, but still it's really new. Yeah. Uh, talk a little bit about, um, what that song is about. Okay. Um, so the storyline in the song is, um, a person, a person that's in my life that I'm very close to, um, or that is close to me. <laughs> and they, I don't know, they, the song is kind of about someone that has an addiction and they are trying to cope with it, with everything except acknowledging that there's an issue. Mm-hmm. And so it is a story of hurting yourself because you won't come to reality with what's going on and then you're hurting an entire group of people around you.
something very personal? Very, very personal. Okay, somebody close in your family yeah. or a friend or something like yeah. that. Um, where do you think that uh, that comes from as far as these people? It's almost denial, right? They're, they're denying Absolutely. that they have some sort of issue. This yeah. Is, this is getting very deep. It is getting very deep. Love these conversations. Um, I, think, I think a lot of people would rather pretend something is not happening or not real in their lives than have to sit down and face face it or face the consequences or whatever. I uh, I tell like like my group my my entire team I'm always like I always am preaching honesty. I don't care if you went and robbed a bank. Just come you know come tell me about it. I want be honest with me. Don't pretend stuff didn't happen and and then work together through situations like that. Work to grow. And do you think you have that forgiveness then? Oh, absolutely. Um, I think I think anybody that. I don't know. I am. I'm a very strong in my faith, and I think that if God, God can have grace to forgive me for all of my ignorance, I can get over myself and forgive people for stuff like that. But it's just, just communication. Yeah, it's it's key. It <laughs> is key, and sometimes it's easier said than done. For absolutely, for it is. It's super hard. Been there, done that. <laughs> right. So you did the single, and so now, tell us a little bit more about um, what you're doing in the studio. Oh yeah. So we um, studio work. My gosh. Anybody that knows knows that it's absolutely chaos constantly and then people for people that don't know it is you're writing music you're arranging it for live shows as well as arranging stuff for studio stuff which are completely polar polar oh. opposites interesting i was wondering about i always wonder like i'm like how do they do this live whenever in the studio it just sounds so different and how would you how could you even possibly try to do that live yeah you know what i it, mean it's just two different worlds it's nuts and i'm very I'm very much, when I write my music and stuff, I'm in picturing the live show. I'm in picturing like what it's gonna look like on stage for the audience that's gonna be there in front of us. And then I have like some of my other guys in my team are very much a production mindset kind of guys. They're like, what could we do here? And what could we add here to emphasize this downbeat or this lyric or whatever it may be? And I'm like, that's great. That's why I have you in my life is because I have no clue what to do right there. Right, the experts. Yeah, the experts. <laughs> Let them do the it. Experts. So when does your EP come out? Um, soon. TBA. Yeah. The um. I don't think anyone in the music industry, they're like, well, when's the next song coming out? And they're like, say it's July 21st or whatever. They don't know that. Okay. There's no. It's like construction, like for developments. Absolutely. You can say a date, but you know, there's all kinds of things that It's can about as way. certain as Oklahoma construction. This year. Can you <laughs> yeah, say that? Yeah, absolutely. This year. <laughs> <laughs> so we know that. And so then you're you're hoping to go on tour, right? And yeah. then what what's kind of the the full future for you? Let's say the next five years, where does Trevor want to be? Um, I think just being OB and where I'm being called. Um, I'm very much a, I make plans for myself and then I feel like God is like, uh-uh, we have other things planned. <laughs> and um, anyway, I, I just, I hope to be extremely obedient in every single step of, of whatever the path brings. But if I, if I could paint a picture of what I would like to accomplish is I would like to produce um, a lot more music a lot more content since my single right now is doing so well and people have responded so well to it. Um, I want to give people more 
I want to continue writing and I want to just do shows and stuff. We're uh, we're doing all the we're getting all the information of like where the songs being played and stuff like that more. And we we had an assumption that it was going to be like primarily Oklahoma, like mm-hmm. local people listening. And I think like number three was a town out of Canada. So it's like Whoa, what? How, how did cool it get it? That? That's yeah. awesome. So it's it's very very cool seeing all the different like big cities and giant groups of people that are listening to it. That's so I just like I want to give them more and more. I feel like we're going to live in the studio this entire year. Yeah, the Canadians love you. Eh? Yeah, yeah. Eh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I have one last question, and cool. this is totally random. Um, right. So on your website, you are standing in a field with fire behind you. Yeah. How in the world did you get that fire? Please oh, tell me it's real. It is absolutely real. So um, I, right after the show, right after I got off of American Idol, um, when I got back home, not before, right, right before it was televised, um, I was with a photographer, a local photographer there in, um, there in Savannah, and she's like, let's just go around town. I want to do some promo photos for you. And it was really cool. And so anyway, we, we drove past a control burn, and I was like, are you okay with walking through some fire? And she's like, uh, I have to change my shoes. But I legitimately walked out into a burning field and was praying that I didn't get like engulfed with flames. Do you have any burns on your body? I don't. I don't actually. <laughs> I was like, it, what about your beard? <laughs> right? I would think that, that like extra curls on the ends. <laughs> I was just wondering. I'm like, wow, he puts his life in danger hey, for a photo. You got to do what you got to do. Beauty's pain. <laughs> That's right. Well, thank you and best of luck Absolutely. with uh, everything go- coming up with your tour and getting the EP out and just living life on the goat farm as well. So that was Trevor McBain joining us today. And you can find more podcasts from KFOR at KFOR.com slash podcast. See you next time.